In this week's episode of Studio Inter, we'll be reviewing the matches against Roma and Sampdoria. We'll be previewing Fiorentina, but above all, the Derby d'Italia against Juventus with Mr. Jonathan Grade, this week's Moratti, Moji and Frog, and much, much more. Everything here on Studio Inter, on YourSempreInter.com. Benvenuti, bentornati to another edition of Studio Inter. I'm your host, Nima Tavale Ruzzari, wishing you welcome to a show where maybe some people have had their illusions destroyed. Others, I, I suspect, still think that Inter will, will win the Scudetto, will definitely uh, make may, uh, hear his side of it, uh, Mr. Positivity. So b- before, before we get into everything, let me introduce my panelists, starting with Mr. Positivity all the way from uh, Egypt, I believe. Egypt indeed, uh, very happy to be here, uh, and uh, yeah, as I wouldn't think you su- wouldn't surprise, uh, I'm still <laughs> on the bandwagon for the Scudetto, and uh, yeah, let's see, let's see how the conversation goes. Well, I, I cannot that. wait to hear what, 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 what you think here, and I really wanted to ask you a couple of things, because uh, you, you, you always have a, like you said, you're, you're not a silly man, you, you firmly believe in, 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 in this Conte project, and you firmly believe that the interview in the Scudetto, um, and I want to hear what, where you stand, seriously, uh, after, after this, going into, into probably the, the most difficult... Yeah, uh, we are also joined by the Semprinter.com's uh, editor, Mr. William Beckman. Good evening. Just preparing the popcorn for part two of our podcast this evening. <laughs> we are also joined by our good friend from Texas, right for The Athletic, Mr. Mike Pilucci. Nima, it's been a long week in the United States, and I found myself just <laughs> wanting... A little bit of normalcy, just anything that felt like standard fare in my life. And lo and behold, be careful what you wish for, because I got a standard inter-week of January dropping points when this shouldn't have. Serves me right. Serves me right. Mm, yeah, um, if, if Inter is your point of reference for normalcy, I um, I feel bad for you. <laughs> That's all I got to say. <laughs> and we're joined by a very special guest. Uh, he used to be a producer on the very famous and very, very successful uh, TV, uh, TV, sh- uh, TV production that uh, broadcast all uh, Italian football in the UK uh, in the mid to late, uh, in the mid to mid 90s to early 2000s. He's got a new book out. And coming here, and he's on on his on this show to help us uh, go through that infamous Juventus Inter game in the season 97-98, making his studio Inter debut. Welcome, Mr. Jonathan Grade. Oh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, um, no, I'm thrilled to be on. I I had a I watched the whole game again, and um, it's still all these years on, so so dramatic, and um, so many things to talk about in in the game. Well, let's get into it because um, I actually I have to admit I, I looked at it again and and I, and I swore uh, the last time I looked at it I would never wa- look at it again because it, it still boils my blood uh, to put it diplomatically to watch that game, but I'm curious, but but I want to hear your side of it. I mean, you 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 used to you produced the the broadcast, didn't you for for this? And and I mean, when 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 you guys 
I mean, after the game and before and during the game, how was the atmosphere uh, surrounding the production? I mean, did you guys talk about uh, what, did, what, what did you guys immediately, what was your immediate reaction to what was going on on that on, on the pitch? Yeah, I mean, before I sort of talk about the post stuff, I, I just wanted to give you a feel of how it, how our production was. And um, this, this, this fixture was four matches from the end of the 97-98 season. And just to put it all in context, I don't know whether you all remember, um, it had been between Inter and Juve most of the season. The lead had changed hands here and there all the way through. And there was this suspicion, as we know, that Juve had been on the receiving end uh, to benefiting from several dubious calls. Earlier in the season, they'd, they played Udinese in Turin and nil-nil. Um, Oliver Bierhoff, I think it was, had a lob that was about two metres over the line. The goal wasn't given and Juventus won 4-1. Um, at Lazio, it was a huge game at Lazio just two weeks prior to this big match. And there was a handball from Juliano in the uh, 90th minute, not given by Colina. And then the week before, there was a goal Empoli scored against Juve, which crossed the line, which wasn't given. So there was a lot of anger even going into this game, which obviously talks about in the book. And it was a big, it was a big um, thrill for us having this game because we generally didn't broadcast the night matches, which had better coverage and whatnot. And we'd shown the earlier game in the season at the San Siro, which Inter had won one nil. And so obviously it was quite a big deal. This game was so late in the season that they didn't do night games. Everyone played at the same time. That's how it was back then. And yeah, it was just this massive build-up, and there was a lot of controversy in the build-up to it, and it just, well, it exploded. <laughs> It absolutely did. Um, Mo, you and I are old enough to remember this game, and 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 uh, I, I we've never really spoken about it. But but I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure without having spoken to you, what what your reaction was uh, when you to this game because it was absolute scandals. I remember Massimo Moratti left ten minutes before the game was over, and uh, was pretty annoyed, so to speak, um, after the game. Uh, I, I, I want to let you ask uh, Jonathan a question. Well, actually, I, I wanted to ask you, uh, Jonathan, a question uh, moving on to today's, today's uh, scene between Inter and Juve. Um, so one of the most disappointing things, uh, as Nima might have alluded to in the introduction earlier, I'm, I'm one of the few uh, uh, believers in the Conte project, and, and uh, I, I firmly believe that this is, you know, uh, this is the year that we will win the Scudetto. I, you know, and, but one of the most disappointing things about the Conte project for, for me was last year's uh, game against Juventus at the San Siro, where Inter did not show any sort of heart, any, any sort of belief. They sort of, like, you know, fell by the wayside in front of Juventus. And, and it was just a very, it was very reminiscent of those um, Spalletti, Mancini, whatever, like uh, mid-teens, uh, mid um, Derby d'Italia. What sort of enter do you expect, or what sort of match do you expect coming this uh, coming this weekend or this um, this time round? I think it's a very very interesting matchup this time because you're going to see a Juventus side weakened through injuries. There'll be no Dybala, there might be no Federico Chiesa, there might not be Weston McKenney, and I think I think um, Inter have a good chance, but I, Juve have the know-how and winning these big games. Conte has has had a poor record in these big head-to-heads this season. And 
the Conte element obviously brings a whole new dimension um, to this clash. Um, it's also, you know, it's sad that there's going to be no one there because it's it's always the most stunning occasion when Inter and Juve meet. But I think Inter should go into the game full of confidence, but they need to sort of think... He needs to change his tactical methods because I watched the Roma game yesterday and they were a bit... They didn't really get going in the first half. Then they came out in the second half, all guns blazing, got the lead and then... And then just sat back and invited the equaliser. And, and that was a game Inter should have won comfortably in the end, but they didn't. And they need to really be on top form if they're to beat this Juventus side, even if they're ahead of them in the, in the table. For sure, for sure. Um, uh, I wanted to have one hand over to Will. Uh, do you have a question for, for uh, Jonathan? Yes, I do. Thank you for joining us, Jonathan. And thank you for giving us a, a wonderful BT Sport documentary. Um, I'm sure you were involved in it. I was involved in that, actually. Oh, no. Well, well, you were because they used archive footage from the show that you were involved in exactly. years ago, so I can get where we're going. <laughs> um, anyway, that was great. But no, into Juventus this weekend, I just wanted to, obviously, you, were, you lived through that golden period of Serie A in the 90s, so I wanted to kind of use this match as a as a springboard to reflect on the sort of the bigger picture like because we obviously 25 years ago it probably would have been uh global news into Juventus you know but once upon a time it was being shown on channel four and and this Sunday it's it's coming on um being shown in the UK on Premier Sports um which you know is they do a good job Premier Sports covering Serie A but it's not quite the same uh, as it once was um so I but sort of beyond that I was just wondering that we hear a lot, especially in the Italian media, about how Serie A is gaining, regaining its kind of splendour and its appeal um, with sort of audiences abroad. So I just wondered, you know, do you, do you think it's get, it's regaining some of its sort of 1990s allure, or do you think that's a bit of a bit of a red herring? Um, just I'm just interested in your opinion on that because we hear it a lot, and obviously you were someone who kind of you worked through that period, and obviously you've worked a lot on sort of telling its story since and, and, um, that sort of. I mean, that, that era will probably never come back, will it? But it just, do you, do you see any truth in that kind of line that I certainly hear a lot, that things are, are on the up again for Italian football? I do. Um, I think, obviously, it was a financial thing, but getting someone of the stature of Cristiano Ronaldo to the league was was a massive scoop for Syria, even if he was playing for one of the most hated sides in it. Um, and... You know, I just, um, I do think it's coming back. Um, I think there's, I think it's a very exciting league. I think it's high scoring now. And I think that the, the sort of barometer of the strength of the league now is how, is the Atalanta story, how they've come from nowhere. And they're, you know, they're, they're in a knockout stage of the Champions League for the second year running. They've gone to Anfield and won. You know, that that, that story illustrates the strength. It's not about the top, top teams. It's about this team that's come through and when I was doing Italian football back in the 90s, Atalanta were a yo-yo side between Serie A and Serie B. I mean, there, there was nothing grand about the club. But this whole, what they've achieved um, from very little, really, given their resources compared to the big guns, is a real um, illustration of how the league has improved, that a team has come through and it's it's making waves all over Europe. And, you know, Juventus winning at Barcelona 3-0, that was another indication of the league of how much stronger it is uh, and also I think the Italian clubs are taking the Europa League a lot more seriously now because 
it's all about that coefficient and keeping the four teams in the Champions League. And I think that I think there's not only a, a revival, but I think there's a sort of determination that we're going to take it really seriously, even if it is the Europa League. For sure. Uh, Mike, did you have a question? Yeah. Hey, Jonathan, thank you for joining us. Um, I wanted to, I guess, close on something of a a bigger picture question, a bit about this match, but sort of just going forward. You know, I think there are a lot of Inter fans who, you know, starting the pit by Morata, but especially when Antonio Conte comes in with him, who have sort of asked the question, are Inter trying to become more like Juventus? Are Inter trying to mirror the Juventus culture? And I was curious what your thoughts were about that. Not only, uh, I guess, how true this is, but what actually defines sort of Juventus culture to you and should Inter be trying to emulate what they've done beyond the obvious bottom line success over the last decade or is there a way for Inter to stay as sort of this Pazza Inter and be able to be successful in the bigger picture going forward? Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting question. I, I think this whole Inter, you know, copying this Juventus model hasn't just started now. I think they tried it in 99 under Marcello Lippi when he came and it didn't go as well for him in 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 um, Milan to didn't Turin and I think that was part of it then and then they sort of things changed and the whole Calciopoli thing happened and then Juve were like Serie B and they came back but weren't as strong but I think yes there is they are trying to emulate what what Juventus have achieved and they obviously badly need this Scudetto because it's you know it's the club's desperate for it. The league desperately needs another champion. And I think um, I think seeing Conte as the man, you know, the symbol of Juventus for so many years, they're sort of thinking he'll bring what he's achieved, you know, for Juventus. Like that unbeaten season was early, early on in his career. And I think he had he's got a complete winning culture you know he's 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 won all over the you know he's won in italy he's won in england and i think they're trying to they're trying to do that but have they got the players like juve obviously have been traditionally built on that incredible defense you know they've always been so strong defensively and i'm not sure at this stage inter have got the defensive players who can who can recreate for conte what he had in turin and I think I think it's very hard to bring one sort of style from one club to the other because you know it's it's all very different. But I think he's definitely getting into closer. And I, you know, it's anything could happen this year. You know, it's I'm not sure Milan can maintain this. I think I think it's Milan into a Juve this year. And I, at this moment in time, I I wouldn't have a clue which way it's going to go. Mm. For sure. Uh, good. Getting back to that infamous game in 97-98, I want to ask you a little bit about the fallout from after the, the you know, w- w- for those who haven't watched it, Mark Giuliano fouls Ronaldo in the in, in the penalty area. Inter players lose their mind because the referee doesn't give the penalty. And in the attack that follows, Alexander, Alessandro Del Piero gets fouled. It looks like, is it inside the area? It does, is, is it outside the area? But it doesn't look like, it looks like a soft penalty and he gets it. Um, and he missed Paliuka, I think, saves the penalty, the, the the following penalty. I mean, what what do you remember from from working with this and the fallout from that? Yeah, I, you know what, I watched this game last week, and it's just unreal. Um, so basically, something I didn't know um, when I watched the game back, five minutes before the Juliano Ronaldo incident, Juliano had been booked. So if he'd given the penalty, Inter would have had a penalty, Juventus would have had 
10 men for the final 20 minutes. Um, and, you know, just you, you, it was obviously a penalty. I mean, it, it obviously had it should have been given. But obviously, with Juve breaking up the other end and then it, it was inside the area. So Del Piero um, sort of went over Trevo West's challenge theatrically as, they, <laughs> as players do and you know he gave it but I mean the I don't think it would have been such a big deal if he said no to Juventus that that um set up like a, an earthquake in Syria because the suspicion was with Juventus they were benefiting from refereeing decisions and for them not to give the Ronaldo one and then the other one which was not even half the penalty was just that that just added fuel to the anger and 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 you know Simone was just screaming like vergogna at the referee he was sent off then afterwards it it just it it, it was a free for all because you may recall Zelias then got sent off for an elbow on Didier De, it was brutal <laughs> he elbowed Didier Deschamps so he went off and then Inter just were camped inside the Juve box and they had chances but they couldn't get past um, Angelo Peruzzi but the point of all of it is that it should have been a penalty and Mark Juliano would have been off and Inter would have had 20 minutes potentially to get one goal. And, you know, who knows what would have happened after that because they lost to Bari two weeks later. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's all, it's all this buts and they will never know. But um, obviously it was a penalty and it was just unbelievable. I was watching the, um, I was watching the match from the Italian broadcaster um, Telepew, who was showing the game, and they they said it wasn't a penalty, and I was, are you serious? Um, they were saying no, he got it. Checkerini got it right. Checkerini actually didn't referee another game until um, October after that incident, which I discovered. And the other thing in the fallout from it was you may may not remember there were punch ups in Parliament in the Italian yeah. Parliament. Yeah. I mean, it was it was like crazy and the, I wrote in the book the headline in the Gazetta della Sport the next day was Ceccarini what have you done because it was like it had created an absolute you know explosion in Syria because it was what people have suspected but it actually happened in front of their very eyes and the fact that he not given one then given the other it was just fuel to the fire for sure and if people want to find if people want to um, read the book which i really recommend uh, where do they get it and what's the name of it and yeah tell us a little bit about that yeah so the, the book is called golazzo the, the football italia years and it's on amazon um and available on from the kindle store online um and basically yeah it talks about how from a personal perspective, how I got into this production, but then looks back at, you know, such an iconic time, you know, that, that great Milan side, then, then Lippi's great time with, with Juventus and then Milan won the title again, then it all switched to Rome. And it was a, it was an absolutely golden era, you know, I mean, the names of players, you know, I was just, I was, when I do podcasts talking about the book, it's just, you know, the, the classic Milan side were Hullet, um, Van Basten, Rijkaard, and then you, You've got the great Juventus side with Zidane, Del Piero, Baggio, Viali. You've got Ronaldo, Inter, the original. <laughs> and Pepe Signori, Batistuta. You know, it's just, it goes on Zola. It just went on and on and on. These names were just, and I haven't even mentioned Totti yet either. No. It was, it was the most staggering era of, of all these stars from around the world in this one league, which 
it, it, it was like every week we had a live game, even if Inter or Milan were playing Empoli or whoever they were playing, you know, it was just still, it was still, you know, phenomenal. And the names we were showing, I mean, I was just looking at, I looked at team sheets um, from this Juve Inter game. And, you know, you've got, um, you've got Deschamps, you've got Zidane, Inzaghi, Del Piero, Javier Zanetti, Moriero, who was phenomenal mm, for Inter. That season, that season he was fantastic. Simeone, Yuri Jorkaev. I mean, mm. Zamorano. I mean, it is just staggering, the players that, um, that were in that game. And then Conte came off the bench. And here's a quiz question for you all. Conte came on for Juventus, but where was Andrea Pirlo that day? He was in uh, in 97, 98. Where was he? That day. I just discovered what he was doing oh. that day. Who was, was he, he? He was in, wasn't he still at Brescia then? Scored a free kick against yeah. Roberto Badgers Bologna. Yeah. At 18 years old. It's unbelievable. Yeah. And I, they're up against each other on, um, on Sunday. Mm. Unbelievable. Antonio Conte and Andrea Pirlo. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on, uh, Jonathan. Uh, great. Uh, if people want to follow you on, on social media, what's your uh, what's your Twitter yeah. handle, etc.? Yeah, I'm at Jonathan Grade. Um, and there's actually a um, on Facebook, if anyone wants to take a look, there's a Golazzo, the Football Italia Years fa- Facebook page where I'm posting sort of iconic moments and the book's published there and story, stuff about the book. So uh, obviously, I'd recommend buying it. But if, if you want to take your mind back to that golden era, it it tells the whole story of, of the production, some stuff from behind the scenes, all the Gaza stuff. You, it's all there. <laughs> so what's it called? It's called Golazzo, the Facebook page? Uh, it's called the same as book, Golazzo, the Football Italia Years. Mm, nice one. I can really recommend that. And and just just I mean on the on the on the Paul Gascoigne thing alone. I mean he must have provided so such Im- incredible amount of unforgettable memories for you guys when you're doing that thing on uh, on location. Because um, <laughs> oh, Gaza being Gaza. <laughs> the, the Gaza stories. I mean honestly, the um, he obviously scored that goal in the Rome derby, and you know that for him coming to a game like that, he was told you know if you don't. If you lose to this lot, you you were literally we're not going to make your lives won't be worth living. And so he scored that goal really late on, and you know he he had a great time. And then he had injury problems, you know fallouts with managers, and it it was an absolute roller coaster ride. But there were good times, which I talked about as well in the book. He had some good times playing for Lazio, which a lot of people forget. He you know he he had some great runs of form, but he just it never really was. As soon as he'd have a good run of seven or eight games, then something disastrous would happen, like the injury he got in training, which all but ended his time there. And um, he phenomenal talent, but obviously like a sort of an integral part of, of the reason we did the program. Mm, for sure, and and just the, the just the, just the the very idea that he took Zdenek Zeman's whistle and gave it to a goose in Lazio's training center is the most amazing story ever. I can really recommend this book. Um, Thank you so much for coming on, Jonathan. Thanks for having me on. Good luck on Sunday. Thank you. Ciao. Take care. Bye. Right. um, Let's uh, continue with our preview of this game um, where we, I want want to hear what you guys all think about it. Personally, I don't, I, I think this, this, this is, uh, this is when, you know, when the going gets tough, when it really matters is when Juve turn up and start winning. And that's why they're going to win the title, uh, in my opinion, or, at, uh, or at the very least finished very close, close second behind Milan, who, who are demonstrating it's not, you know, you can say a lot of things about Milan, 
uh, you can say that they're overperforming, but you don't overperform consistently over 12 months. And 12 months is the the period of time that this Milan has been de delivering results at this at this level. Um, so so I don't see I, after what I saw against how Juve this man you know moved past Milan and how they got through the Sassuolo game. Um, I don't see how Inter are going to win this game. I really don't see how Inter are going to do that, especially on the back of the performance we saw against Roma, which we're going to talk about later. Um, I, I suspect Mr. Positivity has a different, um, different, uh, different idea about this game, and I really want to hear what the what, if any, positivity is there for Inter going into this game, and why do you think Inter will win? Look, I, I don't know if Inter will, will win. I, I know that if the same Inter that showed up last year, because honestly, I, I, when, I was, when we were talking to Jonathan earlier, I, I, I can't stress this enough. You know, this, this was the season where, where Conte was going to come out guns blazing, seek revenge and show, you know, show everyone that Inter were there to mean business. And really, it was such a such a limp, lifeless performance last year. So if, if the Inter of last last year's uh, Derby d'Italia in, 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 in Milan uh, shows up on, on what, what is it, Sunday or Saturday, whatever. Uh, this Sunday, weekend, Sunday at 8.45 p.m. CET. Sunday, the late game. Great. So, Classic uh, time. Yeah, yeah, as it should be. Um, mm, so if, if, it's that, uh, if it's that Inter, then we're certainly not going to win, regardless of how bad Juve are and how many players they're missing because, you know, Someone, someone will always pop up and 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 and, and you know score uh, like Quadrado did many years ago or two or three seasons ago. Um, but I think uh, I think we also know that Inter are um, Conte has seven days to 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 seven or eight eight days seven days eight days to plan for this match. I think the team, uh, especially in the second half, if you want to believe Conte's explanations for his ridiculous substitutions, uh, are, are still suffering from uh, fatigue, especially key players. Um, so I, I, I think this is my, my, my sliver of um, optimism comes from the fact that we, Conte will have his desired number of days to plan for this match. The players will have finally had some rest. I think the performance against Roma was... Uh, you know, without without you know taking into account the final twenty minutes or fifteen minutes of the match, you know, take those away. But for the majority, for the vast majority of this match, the performance of Inter uh, is enough to take care of Juventus as they are today. So, yeah, I think it's all about mentality and mindset. I think that um, the the whole. Uh, Media making much ado about uh, the January malaise certainly doesn't help the players uh, get into the right mindset. Uh, we can't blame the media for the January malaise. There's actual statistics uh, yeah, in Conte's no, I mean, career look, uh, in January I, and, and Inter as well. I mean, I, I'm on. not. I'm not uh, saying. I'm saying that like um, I think it's a mentality thing. And if if mm. the narrative is being hammered across the media players players read players uh players uh, are on social media players no, yeah. they don't live they don't live in a vacuum so no. you know so i i, I think um I, i'm not i'm not trying to find uh i'm not uh, trying to find excuses i'm saying i'm telling you it's it's a mentality thing and it's for sure difficult to get into the right mentality with 
you know, with the Sampdoria and then subsequently the Roma, Ro the result of Roma is not a disappointment. It's just the, the manner in which it happened, the concession mm -hmm. of the, the equalizer in the end. But uh, if the team come into the match with the right mentality, I think we have the right squad, the right players, the right um, tactics. We'll, we'll have the right tactics to, uh, to, to, to at least give ourselves a chance for a win. I think, uh, you know, uh, we're, we're always, I mean, with Handanovic in, in goal, we're always mm. prone to uh, individual errors that will lead to a goal or two uh, being conceded. But, um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm very guardedly optimistic about the okay. match. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to the game. That's, let, let's okay. put it that way. I'm well, really... I mean, <laughs> for sure. Um, Mike, um, I'm keen to hear your thoughts because I suspect you're not as optimistic and more a little bit pessimistic like I am, or am I, uh, am I, uh, am I, am I, uh, miss, am I, am I wrong here? I mean, what do you think? What do you think, Mike? You're on mute, Mike. Jesus. Hello. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm having all sorts of difficulties today. Uh, yeah, Neem, I think you and I tend to be on the same wavelength a lot of the time. Um, and I don't think this is an exception. I, I'm i a little surprised, even Mo, as somebody who looks at things with you know, the glass half full, that you are citing sort of the mentality as a reason why you feel good about this match. Uh, to me, I watched these two matches from this past week. I see Inter come out of the blakes, come out of the block slow each time. And then I see what the end of the Roma match became, where... Uh, uh, not even considering what the players' mentality was, but sort of how the players were handcuffed by the manager's mentality of they go up the two goals and then the Conte subs that come too late come in, they don't make a lot of sense. But more to the point, they get ordered into essentially holding back and sort of, okay, we're going to bleed out the clock for the last 20 minutes, even though they're commanding the match. No matter what you think of the players at that point, if those are the orders your manager is going to give you, then it doesn't really matter what your mentality is. And so I worry... I, I worry about the mentality in a big match just because we haven't seen Inter do very well in those as far as getting points this season. But I also worry about, hey, maybe they're up for it. But if the manager tells you to be conservative when you shouldn't be, or if the manager says play a certain way when you need to play on the front foot and they don't, well, what are you going to do about that? Because what bothered me so much about the Roma match, you're right, in a vacuum, if you had told us, hey, they're going to Rome, they're getting a point in a hard-fought draw, I don't think any of us would complain about that. My problem was it was so – the last 20 minutes just became sort of a, a paint-by-numbers of every annoying Antonio Conte trend. He takes too long to sub guys in. The subs don't make any sense. He gets way too conservative with the lead. Uh, they blow the points. Afterwards, he complains – he takes a little dig at the market team. It just became so predictable. And what frustrates me so much and what scares me is that if he tries to go with his conservative mentality again – uh, at any point this year, number one, you should know better than to do that in the context of yesterday's match because Inter were controlling that match, right? If we're talking about a team that mentally can't hang, Roma has not done well against big squads this year. And Inter, the first 30 minutes of that second half, were commanding the pitch. This was a match that was in the bag, not just because they had momentum, but because I didn't see how Roma was actually threatening until Conte took his foot off the pedal. But more than that, if there's anything you need to know about this Inter team, and I think we know this. So if we know this, I don't know how Conte doesn't know this. You can't sit there and for 20 minutes 
say, okay, we're just going to keep the ball to the net because they now have a keeper who can't dependably save shots. That first goal, I think maybe Samir could have gotten to if he dove. I don't know. I don't think that's a gimme. To me, that wasn't one where I said that to Howler. And that second goal, that was near post. That was not a lot of space. I'm convinced if Samir Hadanovic dives to the ball, he gets it. Even at age 36, even a fraction of what he was, that's a save he can make. And he didn't. And I, I we spent plenty of time in this podcast wondering why he doesn't, what's happening. I don't have an answer for you. But what I do know is that when you have a keeper that diminished at this point, that takes options off your plate. You can't play defensive and say we can hold a lead because you don't know what shot could potentially get in at that point. Mm. So – that's an obvious thing at this point, and yet Antonio Conte doesn't make decisions like that. Antonio Conte somehow doesn't sit here, and I don't know if I see this team go, you know, it just takes so long to get momentum to start the last two matches, and then we know that you can't just kill a lead like a traditional Italian team might because you can't trust the keeper. There's a very narrow list of ways in which I expect this to go well, and it basically mm. has to be interscoring two or three goals, which means you have to be on top of things for 90 minutes, which means both the players and the manager have to be on top of things for 90 minutes and ready for minute one. And I just not seeing a lot of reason why I should believe that at this juncture. And that's a, that's a massive, massive problem guys. Mm, For sure. Yeah. I I just want to just uh, clarify one thing. I I didn't say that. I think the mentality is a a reason why I'm optimistic about the game. I think that uh, what I meant was that uh, mentality is going to be very important going Mm. into uh, how the match, uh, the the final result is going to come out. I think, uh, more than anything, the, the, the players need to be in the, in the right frame of mind. I, I think there's reason to believe this team knows how big this match is, right? I, you don't have to hype up you know, the derby. Do you have confidence that Conte can get them to a place mentally where they need to be for 90 minutes at this type of a big opponent match? Uh, no. No, I mean, I, 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 don't, I don't have confidence, but I'm, I'm, I'm willing to have faith that he will but uh, mm. we just have to wait and see right i mean i guess yeah no i i, I hear what you're saying and for me for me it's like because i i thought you you when you spoke about mentality mo i thought you you meant you were also saying that that you you think that inter's mentality will will see them through and 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 maybe i misunderstood you because because i think the mentality is the weakness and the and, no, and the... i i think the mentality will see it is the only reason why we could see this game through if it was right, but it's not. You know, that's uh, uh, yeah. Because because the way I exp- the way I see it, um, and I see what you're saying, but the way I see it, there, there's a reason why Inter only this season out of five big games have had three draws against the big teams: uh, Lazio, Atalanta, uh, and Roma. In every single one of those games, they were they were in the lead and they dropped the lead. They lost against Milan, and they won against Napoli down to sheer dumb luck. I mean, 10 men Napoli, Conte did the exact same thing as he did against uh, uh, Roma, took the foot off the gas and gave the initiative and they were down to 10 men as well. Um, so so that, that to me is, um, you see, the, 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 his, his, his behavior is, gives, me, gives me more reason to doubt the, this going well. Uh, than 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 the opposite, which should be true. Given if you look at the CVs of these two managers, where Pirlo is barely a coach, and Antonio Conte has won this league three times with Juve and and the Premier League, etc. etc. And that now that's the that's the part where, where that, that troubles me a lot. That he's that aside from the Arturo Vidal clown show, the Alexander Kolarov resurrection project, 
he is costing Inter with his decisions, which are erratic and non and, and, and illogical. Um, and and that is that is that in itself also feeds the whole narrative of January, which he also has an abysmal record in. Um, so uh, yeah, uh, Will, I want to I want to get your thoughts on this. I think you're spot on in terms of Inter's big games this season. Um, I think the the quality of the football has been good. But the management of the matches has been very poor um, on pretty much every occasion, with the exception of the Milan match, because we never got into a position to manage it anyway, because we started so badly. Um, once upon a time, our, our, four, our strength with, with Spalletti certainly was, was doing well in the big games and dropping points against mm. the little teams, be it that for a, a mentality assure because of the way that we played. But whereas it's kind of flipped on, on its head now, you know, even last season, we didn't have a great record in these big matches. I think other than a win against Lazio, we really, I don't think we won any of them um, that I can remember off the top of my head. So, no, the, the, the numbers and the history of Conte and Inter certainly doesn't leave much room for optimism. Um, these two matches last season in particular don't leave anyone for optimism because we got nowhere near them. It wasn't just two defeats. It was two matches where we didn't even lay a glove on Juventus um, mm. in 180 minutes. Um, so there's going to have to be a huge mentality shift um, because I, I agree with you. I think if we're, if we're asking the question about do we trust this team to stand up mentally in a game like this, I would say no, simply because we haven't seen it yet. I hope I'm wrong. But exactly. uh, you know, even against Roma, um, we saw a, a, an incredibly... Uh, impressive sort of half hour in the second half but then once um, once we got into a position to manage the lead we we had that sort of tennis player's arm the Braccino which Conte was asked about in his post-match interview with, with Inter TV he, he was sort of implying that it came sort of subconsciously because they, they knew the importance of the match but I think frankly those changes probably sent a message to the team that uh, it was time to stop attacking and, and um, sort of set up the trenches for the last 20 minutes and, and try and luck it out which I suppose you could say quite rightly, we, we didn't get away with. Um, so, no, I, I think Juventus, they, they are narrow favourites for all the reasons I've just said. They're used to playing these games. But, you know, I'm not going to go into this match expecting a defeat. I think that they're not the force they once, they once were. You know, they've, they've only had three clean sheets in the league this season and they've got a lot of absences in defence. Um, so we know that uh, Cuadrado, Alexandra and Delict have all got um, uh, COVID. A couple of them, I suppose, might... Uh, might recover because they were they tested positive for quite a few days ago now. So there's a possibility that some of them could be back. But you know they have weaknesses. Um, if, if Federico Chiesa might be out, Paulo Dybala might be out. Well, Paulo Dybala is definitely out. Yeah, I think from what I read today, Chiesa should be okay. Although we'll, mm. and Weston we'll McKenney for sure. Who, who's yeah, who's been a really important well. midfielder from. So yeah, yeah, I mean they've got absences, and especially in that left back spot. You know, if Alexandra isn't fit, I want to see Ashraf Hakimi against young Gianluca Frabotta and see how he how he gets on with that because uh, he's, <laughs> he's the one very good piece of news from these last few matches. Hakimi is devastating form, so that would be a matchup that would certainly be favourable to us. Um, but no, I agree. It's difficult to be optimistic um, in terms of a win. I just hope this is the the electric shock match, the the spark match that um, kind of fends off all risk of, a, of another January slump. Because you look at these matches since we've returned, even the Crotone game, mm. it's tending that way again. So this this would be the perfect opportunity to nip it in the bud. But if you're asking me for prediction, probably another two one defeat like last season. Yeah, that's where I, that's exactly what I think. Two 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 one defeat as well. Uh, what about you, Mo? What's your prediction? Let me buck the trend and uh, say a two-one victory. <laughs> <laughs> Love it, Mike. I'm uh, <laughs> how not, how happy would that be? How how happy would we all be? Like it would be so nice. Imagine Sunday night oh. we beat Juventus for the first oh, time in ages God. in the league. It will oh, be flowers be so and butterflies nice. and <laughs> and rainbows and unicorns rainbows. and the whole thing. It'll be like my daughter's bedroom. Can you know? I? 
Can I just check? Was it? Um, it was De Boer the last Inter coach that beat Juventus, yes, wasn't it? Yes, yes, and, it was. And not only beat Juventus, but beat them thoroughly school, and school deservedly. Yeah. De Boer it was uh, Allegri. That uh, Perisic to Icardi uh, assist, yeah. right? Uh, yeah. Perisic on the left, Icardi header. Great goal. Yeah. And we went behind in that match. That was when we had not not such a problem with. Uh, oh. Man, and Inter won. Icardi was phenomenal. That was probably his best game in, in an Inter shirt, to be honest. That's my my favorite Inter first team jersey since the treble, I think. Mm, the first. Nice. Uh, the, the that first was that game. was a good one. Yeah. The yeah. yellow number. Clearly, it yeah. was tainted by the absolute nonsense by that took place that whole season. <laughs> <laughs> It was a weird season. I mean, that was the Pioli season as well, yeah. where we destroyed. Yeah, where we destroyed Atalanta's Gasperini, Gasperini's Atalanta 7-1, where um, after a performance by a certain Ever Banega, which was probably the best performance I think I've seen in 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 in, in the last ten years in an Inter shirt, three goals, three assists. Phenomenal, unplayable. That, that was in that two-month period after Gagliardini arrived, when he we thought he was the answer to every problem we've had for the last five or six years. Simpler Gagliard. days, oh, oh, simpler yeah. days, exactly. So, <laughs> Mike, Mike, what's um, what are you? What's your prediction? I'm with Will. Two one Juventus. Yeah. Okay. So that makes them. We we all agree that it's going to be two one, but one of us believes it's going to be two one for Inter. One of the three of us. Should, should we get one. Mike Gallo on the phone? And ask yeah, him I was going to say because he he seems to he he's the taken Oracle. over. Yeah, he's taken over the Mystic Mo yeah. jersey because he's gotten you know, like while, while three we all, latest, three latest. Um, while we were all licking our wounds on Sunday afternoon, Mike took the opportunity to slide into our WhatsApp group and just. Just let you know, that's another <laughs> correct score for me, guys. Excuse yeah. Me very much. <laughs> he's he's like, time and place, points. Mike. Time and place. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. No, but he's been right recently. So we got to give a shout out to our good friend, yeah. Mike Gallo, our, our in-house referee uh, from Canada. Um, so, yeah, he, he gets the results right. He's taking over the Mystic Mo jersey, Mo. You need to, sh- you need to step up. <laughs> right. I, I just named those occasions. Occasionally correct here. <laughs> <laughs> exactly occasionally correct here exactly you've been demoted i mean i mean we've already touched on the roma game a little bit and and i think to me the way i look at it is this was this was just a perfect microcosm of two coaches that demonstrated their strengths and their weaknesses paulo fonseca has a worse record in big matches than 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 than, than antonio conta has at inter um, and he, he he just showed exactly the same thing that Roma fans are pissed off about, Inter fans are pissed off about. And that, to me, shows these two coaches, obviously a world of difference between them in terms of ideology and how they play, but they, they but how they how they have cost their team's points for different reasons, of course, completely different reasons. Um, but it, it, it was really interesting because the first half, Inter were awful, Roma did really well. Then Inter dominated for 25 minutes, um, and or, or some say Fonseca, as Roma fans would say, from a Roma perspective, Fonseca was unable to to act or change anything to prevent Inter completely dominating. Um, and then as, it's as if Conte decided, no, no, now now you have a go, and he brings in Ivan Perisic, and brings on Alexander Kolarov, who once again causes. Causes uh, the the free uh, the, the situation that leads to the goal and and this is you know Arturo Vidal we have to talk about this because Arturo Vidal and Alexander Kolarov were supposedly the answer to the question how do you win the Scudetto in 2020-2021 they have cost Inter at least to four points in the Serie A just Kolarov 
Arturo Vidal has cost Inter six points in the Champions League, as well as several other points in the Serie A. This is a, this is a disaster. Um, and he, someone needs to own this. And I, his name, the guy who needs to own this is the guy who said he needed them to win the Scudetto. Um, and that's Antonio Conte, although he now he's now he's he's completely backtracked and saying the most ridiculous things that we played good against a Roma that has the same objectives as we do. Excuse me. Roma and Inter have the same objectives as each other now all of a sudden. I mean, this is this is, you know, this is just another issue of him trying to lay the groundwork for him to, you know, lift his hands and say, I have nothing to do with the impending disaster that's coming. And I don't like that. He's backtracking. And, and that is. That, that 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 comment more than the usual whining really pissed me off because Roma and Inter didn't do not have the same objectives this season. Roma's objective was to finish in the top four. Inter finished second last season on eighty two points. They had to go one better, uh, and 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 that you know that, that's that's what everyone is saying. Improvement, improvement, improvement. Now all of a sudden, Inter and Ro- Inter and Roma have the same objectives. That is that's that's just cowardly. Uh, on my uh, for me from from Antonio Conte, um, but I mean I'm, I'm interested. I'm keen to hear what what you guys think uh, of um, you know we've spoken about Samir Andanovic, but the Kolarov and Vidal thing. That I mean, at what point will I mean I asked I asked you guys this last week. I want to hear what you think, Mike. At what point do we say Arturo Vidal and Alexander Kolarov were were complete failures and it was a mistake and we have to get rid of them? What, what, like. Well, I- I mean, listen, the thing that infuriated me the most uh, wasn't even what you just said, even though it's totally valid. It's after the match saying when he's talking to the media and he's saying that after they signed Hakimi, we practically didn't acquire anyone. No, they acquired the people you wanted. They acquired the people (laughs) that you demanded that they get. So don't don't backtrack off that. I mean, look, there you and I talked about this on Twitter and my perspective on this because I have no choice but to try and see the silver lining and think about the big picture. Yeah, they're, they're both bad signings. But when you, if you are Beppe Morata, if you are Piero Auxilio, and you are essentially told, we're going to, you know, after the Europa League final, whatever happens at this summit, I think the takeaway was clear that Conte is going to get what Conte wants. If you're those guys and you're told you're getting Conte what he wants and you have a bigger picture idea in mind, your only objective at that point is damage control. Your objective is let's not wreck the book so that when Conte inevitably leaves, we are not paying for this in two or three years time. So are both these signings painfully bad? Are they hurting the club? Absolutely. But they also came essentially for free. And if Antonio Conte had his way, they would have dropped probably 80 million in transfer fees to get N'Golo Conte to get Emerson Palmieri, both of whom would have monster wages that probably would be bigger than these. And could be putting them in a much bigger hole. Would they be better this year? Yeah, but N'Golo Conte plays a position where he's not going to last that long into his 30s, just the way he plays and the small frame Mm -hmm. he has. That's something that could deal you damage, not just, it'll be fine this year, but that'll do you damage two or three years from now. Emerson Palmieri, I'm not sure if he's that good, right? That that to me screamed Adalbert, Valentino, Lazaro, let's let's not go all the way like we do with Akimi and address this, but let's not go cheap. And maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. These two moves are bad. But these two moves will be off Inter's books in two years, and there aren't any fees you have to amortize. Like, it's mm. minimal long-term mm. damage. It's bad for your wage budget, but in the bigger picture, that's not going to hurt. And look, I get that this doesn't make me feel warm and fuzzy when this team needs <laughs> to win Scudetto. I'm not going to sugarcoat that. What I am saying, though, is that if you are the guys above Antonio Conte who have a bigger picture goal, mm. and these this is the hand you're dealt, then at least they played the cards in a way that, yeah, it's going to suck for however long they're here. 
But when Antonio Conte is gone, this won't haunt us for another several more years. And that's all I can ask for. Because right now, you know, I, I won't get to my emoji of the week. We'll talk more about the depth when that comes. But right now, there just aren't a lot of options in the midfield, especially. You know, I know my, I heard Mike Gallo's impassioned rant last week about how he doesn't want to see Arturo Vidal again. What are the alternatives? They're kind of screwed, especially if you sit there and, and you're Antonio Conte and you won't risk Sensi on rain-soaked pitches, which, I mean, I don't know how valid, <laughs> I don't know how valid that is or it isn't, but I do. it does make me raise an eyebrow when he says say that, and then on Wednesday throw Lukaku out there with a wrap on his thigh because we know he's not ready to go in the same rain when the whole club revolves around him. That's neither here nor there. But with Vidal especially, with Kolarov, you can get around not using him, and that's what I blame Conte for, right? Like, you could reimagine these subs as why don't you put in Alexis Sanchez instead of Perisic, yes. you know, for Lautaro because, and then just bring in Perisic to play the wing back because while I yes. don't like Perisic, Inter at least were putting when Inter were putting pressure on Roma, Roma didn't have an answer, and at least Alexis Alexi Sanchez can give you, you know, can give Lukaku service and give you a chance for a third goal, and of course Perisic isn't going to offend anything, but you're going to keep putting pressure on them on the attack. And it was very obvious in that second half that the more Inter pressured and the more they were attacking, Romo just had nothing. They couldn't do anything. I'm convinced if you keep letting the pressure in, perversely, there was a le- there was a lesser chance of letting in the goal just because of everything we talked about. If you watch this Inter squad, you watch how fragile they are in net. The goal isn't to play like they played in the beginning of the year when there were no rules and no defensive structure. But in the context of yesterday's match, you've got to attack. So I think you could get around using Colra, but with Vidal, there aren't there aren't enough alternatives unless you really believe that Matias Vecino can get it together in the second half of the year, or you miraculously believe that Conte will bury the hatchet with Erickson enough to play him. Otherwise, we're stuck with I don't I think they'll they'll get out of using Kolarov too much, but I think we're stuck with Vidal the rest of the year. And the best yeah. we could hope for is just minimize the mistakes and take comfort in the fact that in a year or two's time, this will be behind us. This won't be the thing that will hamstring us for years and years to come. Well, Arturo Vidal has promised he's going to score 11 goals from now until the end of the season, so there's always that. He said so. On, he's got to make sure he doesn't slip shooting the ball before we get to that point. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm, I, when I saw his reply to that fan uh, saying he's going to score one and ten more, which adds up to 11, I was thinking, yeah, but in which net are you going to do that? Are you going to cause 11 goals for Inter concede, or are you going to score them forwards? Because at this point, um, it's it's probably the former more than the latter. Um I want to. I want to hear what, what you think, Mo. You know, the, you, you mentioned the the stupid substitutions. Uh, Mike and I have already addressed it. I want. I want to hear your thoughts because because that mu- I know you. That must have annoyed the crap out of you. Y- yes, yes, it it definitely did annoy me. Uh, I, I, and like I, I'm lost to criticize too much. You, you know me. I, like uh, regardless of the manager. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know what 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 goes on behind the scenes. I don't know what level of fitness everyone's everyone's at. And you know, Mike, it's easy to say. You know, uh, yeah, Sensi gets on the pitch. I don't want to risk him on a rain-soaked pitch. But Lukaku with a with a thigh wrap. But maybe maybe in fact their their injury proneness is not is not the same. Uh, maybe in fact it is a it is a legitimate risk that's not worth taking at the moment. And knowing. Because you do have to manage a season on and on, but definitely in the context of you know how valuable those three points against Roma might be, especially if you argue that this is a team that's fighting for uh, the same objectives that you are, then you really want to make sure that your head-to-head record against them is superior, or at least capitalize on any potential superiority in a head-to-head record. So 
and and it, and it is frustrating, like you like you like you said, you know, it's it's happened time and time again. Uh, winning positions, uh, goals conceded in the last twenty minutes against strong opposition because we don't have the whatever the 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 players aren't given the free reign to attack. Uh, we don't have the right uh, uh, attitude, or whatever. My only my only hope is, uh, as far as I remember, this is the first time in a very long time that we're going to a league game with seven days of preparation and rest and training and and all of that. So. This is this is my, my only my only again I've I've said this earlier this is my the, the silver lining of optimism or the silver sliver of optimism for the match on 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 Sunday for the Derby d'Italia but against Roma again if you listen to Conte's explanations and you take them for what they are then there is a, a, a bit of you know a, a sensible explanation behind it especially if you know that you're going against, you know, your plan is in the Juve game is to play Sanchez or, or play Sanchez for, a, or at least make sure that you do have Sanchez for the duration of the 90 minutes should you want to deploy him and you don't want to risk Sanchez. I, I don't know. I don't know how, how far how far managers, I, I know for a fact that Mourinho manages five, six, seven, eight games in advance, you know, manages the players' fitness <laughs> and selection. And so I, I'm pretty sure Conte is as meticulous. So... Maybe it's just that. Maybe, just that. Maybe he says, you know what, a 2-2 against Roma away uh, puts us in a superior position. Uh, so even if we do concede, that's fine overall. I'm happy with that result in, in, in that big board that he probably has in his office against, uh, you know, uh, predictions or, or desires for, for, for points and matches versus reality. I don't know, but um, it did definitely frustrate me. I'd, I'd just like to think that you know, I, I like to give the man a bit more of my faith and, and know that, you know, this guy knows a bit more than me uh, when it comes to uh, managing this particular squad. Okay. Um, uh, Will, uh, we'll let you have the final word on the Roma game. Well, Conte got his changes wrong. Um, I think even if you take his... Um, the, the, the sensey wet pitch reading. I think Ericsson and, and Sanchez not coming on is, is very strange. Um, the, the, the three, I think the, the Perisic for Lautaro Martinez change was, was, a, was really sending the wrong signal. Um, and I think that was a very large contributing factor to the way that the, the win was lost. As you said, Roma have problems in big matches. They, they had a very similar match, I thought, to the one they had against Atalanta, whereby they, they played well in the first half and then disappeared in the second. Only that, unlike Atalanta, we, we didn't finish the game off and then we let them back in. So it's definitely two points dropped. Um, I saw an interesting stat um, which uh, relates to the substitutes bench, um, which kind of takes us further into the debate about the way that Conte is using this squad. Um, we had the highest, Serie A's highest earning subs bench this weekend. If you put all those changes together, they, they earn um, 32.3 million euros annually. Net, um, the, not gross. Yeah, yeah net. Yeah, um, so which is that just double, tells that. You the kind of, double that in the, gross, the, what actually interpay. Yeah, the kind of money that we're spending and the kind of quality that Conte is living on the bench. So make of that what you will. Um, Handanovic, you've said, I mean, it's a goal a game. There's nothing more than we can say anymore. I'm, I'm worried about the goals conceded. I mean, that's kind of linked to Handanovic, isn't it? I mean, we had a defensive re revival a bit before Christmas. We had a few clean sheets, whereas since the new year, we've had six goals in three games. And no matter how much you enjoy our attacking prowess, you cannot win the league if you're conceding twice every match. Um, so you've mm. got to you've got to sort that out. You've got to hope that Handanovic um, 
manages to find some form in that corpse of his somewhere because otherwise you know this is this league <laughs> this league, this league charges is, is going down the drain the other thing the only other thing that i would say about this match is we had often i think it was after the last run we into match um in july we had carlo garganese introducing this debate about conte being kind of um having been left behind by modern football and i just noticed that um, one of Gazetta della Sports journalists, who's, who's quite um, a sort of savvy mind when it comes to tactical reading, Alex Forosio, kind of introduced it, I think for the first time really, to, to the mainstream Italian media on Sunday. He said, it, it seems to me as if Conte has been completely left behind by modern football in terms of the way that he manages matches. And um, it was just interesting to see that that now is becoming a more mainstream view. So uh, maybe we need to give Carlo a call and, and give him for a, sure. a, a thumbs no, up for, for pointing that for out. For sure. No, because we, we, you, me and him have been talking about this for, for a little bit, little over a year now. Um, and he was the first one to, 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 to take it up with me. And he started saying that about two years ago, that he felt that mm, there's something there. Is it something? And he started thinking, you know, just just entertaining the idea. And and the more, you know, it, 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 to me, it's it is like that. I, I it's for sure in Europe. <laughs> his, his record in Europe is abysmal. Um, uh, the only time he's ever had success in Europe is when he's only had European games to f- focus on, like a like a cup tournament, which is not how it usually works. Uh, in 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 the season in 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 top European football. So. It is. It is what it is. We're stuck with this guy. We'll see what happens. Um, but uh, and we're stuck with the squad. I don't. I for one don't believe a single person will leave. I don't believe a single person will come. Maybe Pinamonti goes on alone with thousands of caveats that would make that move permanent, uh, which which won't be exercised anyway. Um, but but to to me, there's there's one thing I wanted to talk to you guys, and 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 I've I've been a fan of this guy for a long time, ever since he scored that wonder goal against Inter for Parma. And last season, especially, I thought he had something to give. And this season, he is after you know he's he's the top three amongst the top three, top four best left backs or left fullbacks uh, after Teo Hernandez for sure, who's the best, and then you know Spinazzola and a few others. But Federico Di Marco is an inter-owned player and a youngster who is ripping it apart in uh, for Hellas Verona right now. And this is a guy that Inter could have had and they should probably... This is who I want them to keep. I don't want to see... Uh, you know, when Ashley Young's contract expires, um, when, you know, Alexander Kolarov, uh, <laughs> Andrea Ranocchia, all the, Federico Di Marco should be brought in, period. He's a left-footed left-back who, who's done it really, really well. I, I want to see him given a proper chance to compete on equal terms together with uh, on that left side, together with Matteo Darmian, who I think does have a role to play in the squad. Uh, I want to hear what you guys think about that quickly before we move on. Mo? Yeah, all in on uh, Di Marco. Um, yeah, I, mm. well said. Mm. Mo? Oh, sorry, uh, Mike? Yeah, that's totally fine by me. I think, remind me of the terms, right? So Hellas has the option, but Inter have a counter option at $6 million to get him back if Hellas yeah. buy him, which I'm assuming they will. Is that is that the what I saw on the site the other day? Probably, yeah. That, that's that's how they negotiated it. But uh, yes. right. yeah. Yeah. yeah, so that's that's dirt cheap. You got to do that. And I think, look, I, I will I will use this as my quick platform to say, as good as Spinozola is, uh, I think we probably need to stop taking shots at management for... Not even as weirdly as that deal broke down, it's gonna save them in the end because getting a profit like that of Matteo Politano when nobody can yeah. sell right now yeah. is going to save them in a lot of ways this summer. Agreed. And as as much as I like Spinazzola, if I know that I can get DeMarco for six and a huge cash bonus 
for Politano, that works out in Inter's favor, even if the process didn't necessarily probably work itself out too well to get to that point. Agreed. Will? Yeah, I think that I think for it ticks all the boxes, doesn't it? It's a problem position. We haven't we haven't got a trusty left-sided, left-footed wing back. Um, he would be useful in a UEFA list context. Um, we're looking for cheap options. Um, the report that I was dealing with on the site the other day was suggesting that this could even happen in January if we if we move on Pedisic, but that seems like oh, high in the sky God, thinking. God, so God, I think God, probably it's probably more of a summer thing. <laughs> but um, no, it'll be it'll be. Um, It'd be a good idea, but but as you said, um, the summer feels a long way away at the moment. Mm, so, uh, let's sure let's does. talk. Let, let's let's think about summer transfers when we when, when we, we get, get to there. That. For sure, right? Um, we 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 haven't discussed. We we are aware that there is a Fiorentina game in the Coppa Italia, but I we're we're ignoring that because well, you are. I didn't know if Mo had just forgotten the game. Or no, he's he ignoring was... it. Okay, because, okay. Well, I, I disagree with the fact that we're no, it, no, 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 no. I, I totally <laughs> forgot. I, I oh, totally forgot. Okay. You did no, forget. Okay. Because yeah, I've been ignoring. Yeah, yeah, I don't. I, 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 totally I know. Forgot. I know. No, I, I want to play the Primavera team. If I could, I'd bring out the Allievi Nazionali and play the twelve-year-old. <laughs> I the only thing I want Inter to focus on is the Serie A and to finish in the top four. Everything else I don't care about. I don't want to hear about. I hope they lose against Fiorentina because the Serie A is the only thing I want to focus on. Or not, maybe not even lose. Play play the Primavera team. Play the Alevio Nazionale. Play 16-year-olds. I don't care. You do not okay. risk anyone against Fiorentina in a Coppa Italia game. I'm sorry. It's just, oh. no, no, well, no. Um, we, haven't, we haven't discussed the Samp game either. Do you want to send a nod yeah. to that? I mean, I just want to say one thing about the Samp game. We don't have to go into it sort of deeply. Um, Pigeons, Nima. <laughs> that was a great addition to the first half, wasn't it? It was brilliant. The pi- uh, my they were the most part. organized team on the pitch. They really were. They were better organized than Inter for sure. Because they, yeah. they did you see how well as soon as the ball came and it was like they anticipated the ball coming and then they all kind of went into it's flight true. formation. Yeah, and they fl- and they moved from one side to another. They were they were they were the they were really good. They they were better organized than Inter. And Alexis Sanchez, given I mean, if if I can sit on my fat ass in my apartment and find his penalty stats and and see how awful they are. I love Alexis Sanchez, but he does not take penalties anymore. He's never been good at them, and he shouldn't have taken it. Uh, I know that Lautaro Martinez missed his last one, and blah 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 blah. Still, Alexis Sanchez should never take a penalty because he's he's never been good at it, and his stats is prove that. No, so to he, me, to me, yeah. No, that, that... Well, I was just going to say in case people hadn't seen it before that match, he'd missed seven out of eleven career penalties, which is now obviously eight oh. out of twelve. So that's yeah. two thirds. That's great. Love that. Big fan so, of that. You know, I do think. A... Yeah, I was Mike, just going to say if there's if there's one thing that we should talk about from Samp and really Roma and we haven't mentioned his name and the man deserves it Ashraf, Ashraf Hakimi hell of a player I mean nothing is worth nine years of bad right back play after my phone left but if there's anything that's close to worth it it's knowing that the streak ended not just with a competent starter but a legitimate world class special special player like when that, he scores that goal with his left foot that's not even his good best oh. foot it's i my, my my jaw dropped i think but, you know, i think i think he scored four of his six goals this season with his left foot yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and it's not even to me as great as the goal was I loved the Saint match more because he was the best player on the pitch by a country mm-hmm. mile. He dominated that game. Yeah, he was the talisman. And there were a lot of chances that were wasted, and probably two-thirds of them were just from him, whether it was his crossing, which was so pinpoint, to just his movement. I mean, this is the sort of guy you have, and you just 
I'm just, however many years we get with him, I'm feeling great about, you know, because he's that special of a player and it's probably destined for some EPL team to drop a nine figure fee on him someday. But however long we can put that day off is good by me because he is truly special. And he was the only thing that made a lot of this week worth watching. For sure. For sure. Oh, I just remembered one other thing as well. I, I should take responsibility for that defeat because when the team sheets came out, I have a, a, another supporting friend in America who I sent a message when the teams came out and I, and I said to him, um, by the way, Candreva and Cater are both playing, so expect both of them to score. Um, oh, but th- that's not your fault. Mr. That's, that's, Will. That, yeah, but that, no, no, but that, that's that's like that's every Interista in the world. <laughs> like it was, Candreva was bound to have a magical game, and 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 Keita Balde was bound to score as well. And and that, that's just you know that's just Inter. Okay. That's just Inter. That's just Pazza okay, I've Inter. I got that off my conscience. Then. Yeah, no, no, no. That's that's Pazza Inter. That's that's you know whenever when when that rumor started that. Granieri and Candreva were were having a were having a falling out, and that uh, Sampdoria had the option to 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 terminate the loan, and Candreva re- returns to Inter, and then they all patched it patched things up. I knew Candreva was going to score against Inter. It was it was written in the stars. So so no, that's 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 not that's not your fault. <laughs> okay. That's just Inter energy in the universe. All right, um, that's Pat Pat's Inter energy. Um, so the Fiorentina game, I've already said what I think. Um, I don't know. Uh, I, I couldn't. I really don't care. I I don't care. I just want to focus on the Serie A. But Mo, you care. So tell me, what what do you expect and what do you hope to see in prediction? For what the Fiorentina game? Yeah, the Coppa Italia game. I, I want to see. Yeah, you don't care. Okay, good. I don't care. <laughs> no, I care about winning the league. I couldn't. Yeah. I could not. I could not give us a, a single uh, whatever yeah. about uh, the Coppa Italia. Look, yeah. if they progress and 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 we're in the semifinals, maybe I'll I'll pay a bit exactly. atten- pay, pay a bit of attention. But uh, at this point in time, if we get knocked out, uh, you know, couldn't I, care less. It couldn't, couldn't bother care. me. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, we're on the same page on this, and I knew I, I was suspected we would be. That's why I thought you you ignored it and, and not forgot because I could. I, 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 I ignored it by or forgot it by by ignoring. Ah, nice one, nice one. But I, so, I did forget for sure. It's not. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, so, but but I but I suspect that Will doesn't agree. Um, do you care? Do you care about it? Like, is, do you think this is the most realistic title chancing to have, or like, what, what's your thoughts? Well, I mean. <laughs> Is anyone going to dispute the fact that it's the most realistic title chance after we've spent 50 minutes talking about why Inter aren't going to win the league because of all their problems? I mean, it definitely is. I, I, I mean, I'm going to dispute it. Okay. Okay, but this is what? Is it one, two, three, it's five matches. It's five matches to win a trophy, which in May we won't have won for a decade. So, you know, if Conte came to Inter to, to win a trophy, then I'm not saying he has to go all out. I'm not saying he should, by all means, start his strongest team. Absolutely not. That would be that would be silly with Juventus coming up. But, you know, by all means, even if you... It's not about playing your strongest eleven. It's just making sure that whoever plays knows that it's it's not a joke. Because I don't think Inter or Conte, personally, can afford to turn their nose up at this tournament. It doesn't mean that, you know, it's going to change everything. But you imagine if we don't win the league, but we've won the league, if we won this cup, that does change something. Because well, let me, let, me, drought, let, me, let me tell you something. The only thing that could make the humiliation bigger of Milan winning the Serie A oh, is, in, is, is Inter winning the Coppa Italia oh. after spending all that money. That would be, congrats, you won the Coppa. <laughs> well, nice would one. you rather come? Would you rather not win the Copa and have Milan win the Scudetto? Well, I I think that would kind of yes, in a way I would. So you because... don't you actually? You, someone has put the Copa Italia in front on, on, the, on a table in front of you. You're saying <laughs> no, no, no you're ex- no. That's that's exaggerated. No, I mean from a, from from. 
No, I mean, I, I, not in front of me. I, I, I'm, I'm thinking like as we are where we are right now. In so, so, you, so, so hang on, you've said you've said mm. that you both said you don't care about this game, but that that's one thing. If you could choose, would you actually want to go out? Would you want to lose on Wednesday? If it means that Inter finish in the top four without, no, but a... it doesn't mean that, does it? We don't know that. We can't. Mm. We don't have that option on the table. It's January, mm. not May. Well, of course not. I mean, I well, don't. Want... What, well, this is what I'm saying. Then you can't just say. That let's let's play the primavera because Conte has just had you know he's had a day full of criticism. He's had two matches where we've we've lost points in the title race. You know, you know these these things happen live. It's not like last season where you you play the Europa League at the end of the season. This mm. is happening now. You can't yeah. we can't control what's going to happen in five months. I think look, I don't, I'm, like I said, don't play Lukaku, don't play Barella, do not play Hakimi, but just play Radu, play Ranocchia, play yeah, play Radu. We might keep a clean sheet, but you know the. <laughs> Just make sure that you don't strike the wrong emotional tone because another defeat against a pretty yeah. rubbish Fiorentina side after what we've just seen in the last two two games, I don't think is great for the emotional atmosphere going into that match against Juventus. Imagine if we get out of the Coppa Italia and then we lose to Juventus and then we're probably left with nothing. You know? mm. just, well, just... which is, which is well, well, to me, to be honest with you, honestly, even if Inter win against Fiorentina and they lose against Juventus, which I expect them, that doesn't change much in my head. I Honestly, it doesn't. Okay. No, uh, really, it doesn't. no. I mean, not not if we not if we just make the quarterfinals of the cup. It doesn't mean anything. But you know, it, well, exactly. It might. Okay. <laughs> that, that's right, that's that's what I mean. And and also you'll have a you'll have a squad. You'll have a you'll have a pretty thin squad that is already you know. But but I mean that's not an issue because Conte's already right. said that he's going to play the ones uh, that that haven't played as much, which which probably. Oh, yeah, which means Sensi and Ericsson, which is insane. In Vidal, itself. Sanchez, Ericsson. No, no, Vidal plays quite a bit. I mean, he's, he's his first yeah. team. Uh, yeah, so I, I think it'll okay. be. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what, what who. We'll who. See. Well, I think we'll see. I think we actually will see a few Primavera players. Actually, I think that, that that's, you know, if, you know, for for all the stuff we we joke about Conte liking experienced players, he has launched quite a few young good players onto the scene. I mean, from Paul Pogba to Bastoni to Christensen at Chelsea, he he has a good eye for talent. If a if a youngster is good enough, he'll play him. Um, okay. It's it's a you know, look at what he. I mean, his track record speaks for it. It's just a problem that we shouldn't give him power to sign players because then he'll end up with a, with with Jurassic Park or the entire edition from one to six. Uh, so it's it's basically an elephant cemetery, as we say in Sweden, when he gets power to sign players. But um, let's. Uh, I mean, okay, you, Mo, uh, Mike, where are you? What do you what do you expect from the? Where are you on this whole Coppa Italia Fiorentina thing? I mean, I don't. I want a trophy, guys. <laughs> and <laughs> this is this is the best chance we're getting. So you know, I I think you play. I, I think you figure so it out horrible. and you find a way to win. I just this is so I, depressing. It is depressing, but it's been ten years. I'm tired. Yeah, I'm so yeah, tired. You're right, you're right. You're right. You're absolutely right. When you're right, you're right. You're right. So, and, and Will is right as well. We can't turn our noses at it. You're, you both are both right. It's just I, this I depresses do, like, the crap out of me. There's. A, I, I'm very interested in what you know. There's a larger conversation to have at some point of the cultural difference between how Italy views Coppa Italia versus how England views the FA Cup, for instance. Mm. Because if you're winning the FA Cup in England, people are thrilled. They're having a great time. And I think in a lot of countries, the cup matters. But for some reason, in this comp, in you know, with Serie A, 
most clubs are content to write the Copa Italia off. And to me, I'm like, hey, it's a cup competition. It's a trophy. There's nothing to be embarrassed about. Go get it. Go win it. So, you know, cute little circle patch on your jersey next year. What? Let's do it. Let's have some fun. Win a trophy. You know, the, you know, the, the Copa Italia is more sort of comparable to the League Cup. Yeah, I was going to say we, that. We I guess that's true. And but... I think, you know, I think look, the part of the fact that we, I think I, I suspect that part of the reason Mo forgot about it is because we're playing it at three o'clock on a Wednesday afternoon. I mean, that's not <laughs> to make the, feel, the Copa Italia seem important, is it? Playing it on a on a on a work day in the afternoon. I mean that's that's like the graveyard slot, isn't it? So the scheduling is is rubbish. It's the fact that the draw is all it's all, all done in advance. You don't have the excitement of like finding mm. out the draw. You know roughly who you're going to play. That it's is kind true. of it's that, rigged yeah. to stop the, the, the to stop the smaller teams from winning. Um, yeah. So it, there's there's a lot of problems, but I you know it's still a trophy. By the way, I, I you said that. Um, Obviously, this is all depressing. I haven't, you haven't even mentioned the draw yet. I don't know if you're aware of that. The mm. way that the because I've just said the draw's been done, so we know who we play yeah. in the quarterfinals. There's there's probably a derby in the quarterfinals if we go through. So, <laughs> and then Juventus in the semis. So, yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. that's the other side of the coin. Yeah, that is the other side of the coin. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, but just uh, speaking of uh, uh, the 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 first Mancini season where we won the Coppa Italia, yeah. what was it uh, 2006? Four, 2004, 2005. Four, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a depressing uh, trophy, huh? Mm. I, I don't know if you guys remember, but that that was a pretty sad trophy. Yes. I, I, don't, I don't know. Here's but, uh, the thing: like it, those were the days when we could we could afford to have a sad trophy. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, yeah, right. I mean, we couldn't. We couldn't. That, that was that was the drought. Uh, that was. I a, think, but it set the stage for so many things. And granted, you know, Calciopoli makes it. You know, it's a whole other discussion. But I don't know. I'm a believer that stuff like that could lead to some momentum, right? For sure. And just winning something. Winning I mean, God, if they won the damn Europa League, I feel like there'd be at least something yeah. to look back on in the last year and be like, okay, this is leading somewhere. This is going somewhere. Mourinho and- always talks about the importance of trophies. I mean, I remember his first season at Man United. He said, they said, do you prefer to finish top four and qualify for the Champions League with Man United or do you, or with, with, you know, with United or do you prefer winning the Europa League and qualifying and finishing fifth? And he goes without hesitating, winning the Europa League. Winning is is to, cre- to create a winning culture yeah. is nothing you can. And he won the so. League Cup that season as well. He's always taken yeah. that League Cup seriously. Well, I, I think just, I mean, <laughs> in a bigger picture, right? And I don't know how much the players in this squad will care, but it is something you know I think about as a supporter of the club, and I don't know what you guys feel. At the end of this, if Conte leaves at the end of the year, like I think we expect he probably will, mm. and there's no silverware to show for this, nothing at all. I mean, how good are you going to feel about this? I guess we mm. can. There are bigger factors in play, right? The squad, you know, a lot of players in the squad developed under his watch, and that's great. But to me, if I sit here, I think it does make a difference if I'm sitting here and he leaves. And for as many frustrating things as we've had the last two years, I can at least go, well, players are developed. There is no trophy drought. They've won something. Okay, that made it somewhat worthwhile. You know, it's never going to be a roaring success unless he wins the league, but that would make it, me feel a lot better about what the club invested and risked for the last two years mm. to get it. Even if it's the Copa Italia, if this were a Copa Italia, if they had won three years, then okay, I don't care. But after a decade, I think it really does matter. And maybe that's an indictment of Inter, but the fact is it does mean something to me. Yeah, it, it sure does. I mean, absolutely. And uh, you're, you're both right about that. I, I agree. 
Um, I just, I just, it just depresses the crap out of me just to think about it, um, for for reasons already stated. But um, yeah, okay, so, so, um, so, so we'll, 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 let's hope. You know, I think we'll win Fiorentina, by the way, because Fiorentina are so god awful, and they they have to rest their players as well, uh, for to to you know to to keep to build up some momentum uh, for for themselves in the league. So I think they'll probably rest a hell of a lot of players. Uh, and and I think Inter will progress pretty easily because if 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 Antonio Conte makes good on his promise of uh, playing the players that have not played as as much, um, then then I think we'll, we'll <laughs> like you said it's Christian Eriksen and Stefano Sensi, which <laughs> which is which is insane. Um, the Inter will win pretty comfortably that. Anyway, um, let's uh, move on to the part of the show where we pay tribute, rip the piss out of, and criticize someone or something heavily in the world of football, starting with the positivity presented by Mr. Positivity, Mr. Mohamed Nasser. He's, he works a lot, he's intelligent, and he surprises uh, people sometimes with his uh, ideas. Not easy to find one person of this uh, qualities. Yeah, I think. Um... Uh, Mike uh, had already spoken about about him. Uh, there can be no other Morati this week than uh, Ashraf Hakimi uh, for his performances. And I think, like you said, Mike, you know, ending the however many long years of drought and at the right back position with not just an able starter but an actual world class player, it's it's been a fantastic week for for the Moroccan. So he's uh, he's our Morati of the week. For sure. Um, let's move on to something much more negative. This week's Moji, which we presented by Mr. Mike Pilucci. So the the damage of this last week is no Danilo D'Ambrosio for about a month to a month and a half. We don't know how long. No Matteo Darmian. And uh, that I want to jump off of that to segue into something that I've never understood this argument, but I think it's time we address it now, which is of all the reasons why people are optimistic about Inter winning the Scudetto, I hear a lot that Inter's depth will be the decision, you know, will be the deciding factor. And I really think we need to talk about the fact that I don't know where that's coming from. I don't understand this. And I think these injuries are going to underscore that this team doesn't have depth. I think most of the starting lineup is is quite high quality, you know, minus maybe a midfield starter and a left wing back. But, you know, if you go and the goalkeeper, but if you go into depth here and we, we talk about, you know, this depth that Inter has, well, where is it? They don't have a starting caliber goalkeeper right now for a Scudetto team. Uh, Danilo D'Ambrosio isn't really a right center back in a three-man back line, but you can make the argument he is the best center back reserve this club has. I personally think it's Ranocchio, but that isn't much better. Uh, there is no <laughs> great there, there is no great left back option. The midfield is one incredibly good player, Nicolo Barella, one player who is incredibly good on his day in Marcelo Brozovic. Artur Vidal's passed it. Roberto Gagliardini's limited. I have no idea what Stefano Sensi is. I have no idea what Matias Vecino is. I'm too depressed to talk about Christian Eriksen. That's, <laughs> that's about it. We have one great backup striker option uh, for what he is and what he does well in Alexis Sanchez. And we all know there's no fourth striker on the club. That's your depth. The only position that had depth until this week, ironically enough, was right back because Ashraf Hakimi is an incredibly good player. Matteo Darmian is something either between a, a great reserve or an okay starter. 
and Danilo D'Ambrosio is your third option is fine there. If that's if that's what you're looking at at a position, then yes, that's a Scudetto winner. That's a team that could compete in Europe. But that's the only place in the squad that I think we could point to as having that sort of resources, that sort of depth. And so this week's you know slate of injuries, which are now going to reduce that to Ashraf Hakimi or Ashley Young playing on the other side, that should be a reminder, folks. This team doesn't have a lot of depth. And we need to stop talking about that because – I, I don't know whether they win the Scudetto or not, but if they do, it isn't going to be because of the players in reserve. If anything, that is the area that this club really desperately needs to work on uh, over the next couple markets. Just finding guys who could step in capably because it is woefully thin back there. Mm, for sure. And let's move on to something much more comical. This week's Frog, which we presented by Mr. William Beckham. E clamoroso! Autogol di Ranocchia! Yeah, I'm taking us a very, very, very long way away from uh, professional football for the for the frog of the week. I thought there was only one candidate, really. Um, uh, you know, it's Trump. Let's be let's be. Clear. <laughs> um, the 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 scene. It's also Moji of the week. Yeah, I mean, look, he's definitely the Moji of the week. I mean, that, that, if you want to. Uh, sort of expand this to Moji, then absolutely the scenes that have been going on in, in Washington have been absolutely appalling. But it was pretty funny to see Twitter permanently suspend him um, after, was it four years of the presidency? And particularly the way that um, he, he obviously tried to respond to this by going on to the president of the United States Twitter account um, <laughs> to give his reaction before those tweets were removed as soon as as soon as they were published as well. And so I don't, I mean, I'm sure everyone's seen it. He was banned for, um, for due to the risk of further incitement of violence after the Capitol Hill incident on, um, on Wednesday. Um, some very strange and very concerning messages that he was giving out to the protesters. But yeah, um, in, in a very dark week, it was, it was amusing to see him sort of um, get his comeuppance a little later than perhaps he should have been. But um, in the absence of uh, sort of very sparkling, funny football content, I thought he deserved the... Uh, the award for this week's frog. Let's hope that next week's frog is not uh, Andrea Ranocchi himself after playing <laughs> Coppa Italia. Because well, that's what I was probably do. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, frog, Frogman himself might 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 own this trophy and uh, show why next week. Um, that's all we have time for this week. I'd like to thank Jonathan Grade. I'd like to thank you, Mr. Mohamed Nasa. Mo, you're mute. Yes, I was on mute. Uh, thank you very much. It was a great, uh, it was great uh, catching up with you all. Um, Mr. Reverend Mike Pialucci. Always a pleasure, gentlemen. Forza Inter. Uh, Mr. William Beckman. Thank you. Three points and a copper quarterfinal. Much to Nima's chagrin, please. <laughs> and until next week, I'm your host, Nima Tarle wishing you all good health. Uh, stay safe. Listen to your local authorities. Uh, three points, a quarterfinal place in the in the Coppa Italia, apparently. Uh, and sempre e solo forza Inter.